Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. All right, welcome to the year-end episode of Men This Way. In today's short episode, I'm going to share with you how the year went for this podcast. I'm going to share some actual numbers, uh, downloads, and my top three episodes of the year. And also, I'm going to share with you four really empowering and important lessons that I continued to either deepen in uh, because through doing this podcast this year, lessons that I've been working on for years and, and, or just new ones that opened up for me Four really powerful lessons from doing this podcast this year that I think will serve you no matter what's going on in your life. And given then that it's the end of the year, I'm going to talk about my life theme mantra something that I do almost every year. I actually haven't done it for a few years, but I'm doing it for this upcoming year. It's my life theme mantra. It's essentially the the theme that I want to explore in my life this year. And I'll share with you what that is. And I'm going to invite you to create your own for 2020. It's a really uh, empowering, powerful practice that I started doing back in 2014. And I'm doing it again this year. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm going to share that with you. And then finally, I'm going to answer a a really great question from a new listener, Martin, who wrote in. He heard the last episode where I talked about some key differences between merely surviving and actually thriving in life. And Martin wrote in to ask, essentially, how does masculinity evolve from here? So I'm going to share some, some really interesting thoughts and insights into that as well. And please bear with me. Uh, My head just kind of exploded in the last uh, hour. I've got a bit of a head cold. And so if you you hear me sniffling, I'll try to edit out as many of the sneezes and and weird sounds as I can. But uh, just bear with me. Tis the season. So definitely stay tuned to the end of this short episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. So it has been an amazing year. I was able to put out 42 episodes this year. I believe uh, 30 to 31 of them were actually interviews. I got to meet and connect with some really, really amazing and inspiring men doing inspired work in the world. And and one of the things that, that has certainly been true for me and that I really appreciated in basically all of the men that I that I interviewed. There's a few exceptions here and there, but basically all the men that I interviewed, like we really had great conversations about how we're all on this journey together. There's no such thing as as a as a master who has nothing left to learn. And I, I really enjoyed that uh, gaining getting wisdom from these men and having these really uh, deep uh, uh, profound conversations with men of, of all different races and sexual orientations and even nationalities. And it was really, um, yeah, I feel deeply nourished and enriched by what happened this year. And I'm very pleasantly surprised, you know, um, 
Was the podcast this year successful? Who the hell knows? What does that even mean? But I will share with you how many downloads. I actually had, as of this, were right at about 54,500-ish 54, downloads over 42 episodes. So we're, we're averaging well over 1,000 downloads per episode, and which I think is really great. Uh, you know, I've had millions of readers on my blog, so... Um, <sighs> It's just so hard to manage, you know, expectations and and again, what is successful, what isn't successful? Who the hell really knows? And and actually, in the lessons that I'm going to share with you in a few minutes, the lessons that uh, I really gleaned from doing the podcast this year, um, I think I think my 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 answer to whether this was successful or not this year uh, will come through in that. So stay tuned for that. But I want to share with you the most listened to episodes of the year. So coming in at number one, uh, a surprise and also no surprise to me, actually, was episode number 27. And that the title of that episode is Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. Why is that not a surprise to me? Because that is, I've had a few blogs go viral, you know, more than a million readers, but that's the blog that really exploded back in, I think it was 2015, maybe? I think the summer of 2015. That blog was getting a million views a day on my website. And I, I felt like, a, it's like everyone was sharing it on Facebook. It's like, I, I felt like I owned Facebook for a day. It was incredible. And so, no surprise that that blog, I mean, thousands of people every day continue to read that blog all over the world. And no surprise then that when I did an episode about that blog, episode 27, that came in at number one with, uh, as of today, 2,432 uh, downloads. Number Coming in at number two was episode 23. And the title of that was Stop Using Sex to Avoid Pain. That was an episode with Mark Groves of Create the Love on Instagram. Uh, that episode came in at 2381 downloads so far. And of course, counting. And um, uh, Mark, that conversation, you know, Mark and I, when we talk, we've known each other for a long time. Um, we don't know each other well, but we've been acquainted with each other for probably seven years, seven, eight years or so. And uh, we have a lot of fun uh, when we talk. Mark's just a really funny guy and really wise. And he's he's gone through a lot of his own uh, life transformations and has turned it into an incredible uh, 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 page on Instagram at Create the Love. And so actually, it's, it is no surprise that the third most listened to episode was another episode involving Mark, and this was actually a rebroadcast. He interviewed me on his podcast. We did a, an episode titled, Why My Girlfriend Was Always Angry With Me. And I shared my story uh, and my experience about what, what I learned, what I woke up to about why women just always seem to be angry at me, despite my best intentions. And again, we had a great time, and uh, that came in at just under 2,000 downloads for the year so far. So that's episode 18. You can go listen to all three of these episodes. Uh, again, episode 27, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her at number one. Episode 23, Stop Using Sex to Avoid Pain with Mark Groves at number two. And then... Episode 18, coming in at number three, Why My Girlfriend Was Always Angry With Me, a rebroadcast of Mark Grove's podcast on my podcast. Okay, 
Now I want to share a few of my lessons for the year. Like what doing this, I'd never done a podcast before. And, and a, a friend of mine, a couple years ago started telling me, Brian, you need to do a podcast. And I just, I just wasn't feeling it. It's not really the medium that, that really works for me. I'm a writer at heart and uh, I love doing interviews, but it was really, it was such a new skill for me to be the interviewer and to you know, speak in this format, often even when I do my own solo episodes, which I was very pleased to see that uh, those were also very successful this year. Um, but, you know, I'd never done this before, and it was a big, big leap for me, and I felt it. I was excited when I came up with the name Men This Way. I knew that I had to move forward. When I came up with that that intro song, when I found that after hours of scouring the the uh, the music uh, aggregation sites where you, you go to shop for songs for your projects, um, when I found that one, I, again, I knew like, wow, this just works. And how I, I quickly wrote my intro to it. I was like, I have to do this. So I was really, I definitely was excited. It's been a huge, huge undertaking. I mean, I probably this year, I probably, I mean, I spent at least, you know, a hundred to $150 an episode. It cost me. Um, and then I probably spent another, depending on the format, but an interview episode, I probably spent 10 hours you know, all prepping, interviewing, um, inter working with my editor who did most of the work, of course. Um, but it was a major, major uh, investment of time and money. And um, so here's four key significant lessons that I continued to learn or, lear lear or was learning anew uh, through, this, through this work. Here's number one. You never know what's going to work. You never know what's going to work. I started learning this as a blogger because back in 2014, 2015, when I was, that was really the, the I'd been writing since 2009, but 2014 and 15 were kind of a golden age for, for me really coming to my own as a writer. And I remember there were blogs that... I was sure, you know, I was already starting to get, in some cases, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people read my work through uh, through other websites like the Daily Love at the time and um, and uh, the Good Men Project. And but there were, I would write a blog, and I was like sure that it this was going to be the one that's going to take off, and I'd get crickets, I get crickets, like it just wouldn't hit. Nobody would comment on it. Nobody would. Uh, write to me about it. Nobody would share it or, or very few anyway. And you know, the blog that I said that just blew up, uh, choose her every day or leave her. I don't even remember writing it. I know I wrote it. It's my story, but I don't remember writing it. I was writing so much at the time. And I remember and that blog, in fact, that it, it actually went viral probably four months, I think, three, I think it was, I wrote it in March of 2015. I think it really it blew up at the end of July and, and August of that year. So I don't even remember writing it. That's the crazy thing. Like I had no idea that was going to be the one that kind of put me on the map big time. I mean, I don't know exactly how many people have read it, but last I did my best to count there from all the different websites, all the different languages, even my own website. 
minimum 30 million people have read that blog, and it's probably somewhere in the vicinity of 40 million now, all over the world. So, you know, it's the same with this podcast. I just never knew which episode was going to work. I never knew. There were some men that I was so excited to interview that actually turned into um, really difficult interviews. There's actually even one man that I interviewed this year that I was really excited to interview. I didn't even put out his interview. I was honestly, uh, I respect his work. I'm not going to mention his name, but I respect his work. But our interview was so boring in the sense that I felt like I was, I don't know if it was just our chemistry or I, I asked bad questions or, but it was almost like he just didn't care to even be there. Like, I was like, I don't even know why he showed up for that interview. I didn't even put that one out. And there were other men that, uh, again, I thought, I thought this is going to be an amazing interview. So much wisdom. I can't wait. And I think there were good interviews, but, uh, they turned out to be, I don't know, less, uh, less let's just say less grounded maybe, or less grounded in practical applications in the way that I wanted them to, or anyway. And then there were other interviews that, that again, I thought, I thought, um, you know, I thought it was going to be rough around the edges and I didn't know what I was going to come up with. And it turned out to be some of my most successful interviews. So, or, or, or episodes. So you never know what's going to work. You just never know what's going to work. And that's lesson number one. And that, the whole point of that too is just keep keep putting stuff out, keep creating. That's the, really the lesson for me in that. Um, number two, don't do it if you're not inspired to do it, because life is a momentum game. That might be kind of two lessons, but again, don't do it if you're not inspired to do it, because life is a momentum game. And what do I mean by that? It takes time to get meaningful results. Even if what you're giving yourself to, even if it works, if you're not inspired in the doing of it, you're going to end up resentful. The journey, if the journey isn't enjoyable, you're not going to enjoy your life. You're not going to enjoy the process uh, by which you're getting to the result. And that's not a very um, wise way to live life, let's say. And, you know, I edited the first maybe three episodes of this podcast, uh, two of them being interviews. And I mean, it took me probably five or six hours to edit to edit just one. And I was I was so angry at life, at myself. I just hated this podcast immediately because <laughs> I, I can do editing, but that is not how I want to spend my time. And the best decision I made was hiring a professional editor, even paying, again, it was 100, 150 bucks an episode to edit. And oh, it just totally changed my relationship again to the podcast. So, you know, life is a momentum game. And if you're doing, and this is what, what blogging really taught me, is that when you're doing what you really enjoy doing and you do it often, you know, for me, I have to write. Uh, damn near every day. Certainly put out, create something and put something out every week. And I haven't been doing that in a while. And in 2020, I'm going to be getting back into that more because it's it's crucial for my soul. But when you're putting out, when you're creating, whatever that is, or engaging in what you're inspired to do and you're doing it over and over and over, the results are magic. And and just your enjoyment of your experience is, 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 makes it all worthwhile. 
and you're building momentum in a life that you feel good about and that you're excited about. So don't do it if you're not inspired to do it because life is a momentum game. Okay, number three, be supportive. We men especially, we need to have each other's back. What really surprised me this year, and in retrospect, it shouldn't surprise me because I'm this way, but I really saw how much we men don't really support each other. You know, there were some men that 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 I, I invited onto the podcast. Um, certainly, I respect their work, um, but I also was very... I had an eye on their social media following and their their stature, you could say, in the world. And I thought, well, I'll have a good conversation with this man. I respect his work, and I'm excited because he'll support the podcast and and it'll help grow my readership, audience, my listenership. And man, in so many cases, that didn't happen. And um, that was really surprising to me. But then, you know, I have to take. I have to take ownership of how I have not been very supportive through uh, my, you know, last number of years, how I've been on a lot of podcasts and I haven't promoted it myself. I haven't shared what that other person was doing. And, you know, I, I really get that that's, that there's, there's, there's a lot of layers to that. One of them being we men, we tend to be very competitive and we tend to think if I, put someone else if i if i highlight someone else and put someone else up on a pedestal then 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 i won't have the status i'm seeking and um you know sylvie my partner she does the same similar work she's more in the therapy domain than i am but she is so supportive of other people's work and it has just paid off for her profoundly. I mean, she's grown an incredibly successful business herself and and social media following and largely because she's so supportive and promoting of other people's work. It's amazing. So, you know, when we men don't do that for each other, well, we we make life lonely and hard for ourselves. So, that's a lesson that I really took from this, and, and I'm going to be working to be more supportive myself uh, because we got to have each other's backs in this, in this crazy, crazy, wild world. All right, number four, be willing to not know how things are supposed to go. Be willing to not know how things are supposed to go. You know, I made more money this year than I've ever made in my life. And I didn't really do it the way that I thought I would do it. And in fact, life with uh, Sylvie, you know, we've been together for over four years now. And just due to the due to our differences and different sensitivities and different different uh, kind of boundary needs and uh, wounds and all of that, you know, when you enter a relationship with somebody, you don't get to stay the same person. You just don't. I don't care what the 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 latest 26-year-old relationship coach tells you. You just don't get to stay the same person and do the same things and you just don't. And if you do, then you're not really in relationship with somebody. You're in relationship next to somebody. You're hanging out, but you're not really in relationship with somebody. And my life with Sylvie has been changed dramatically and often in ways that were not comfortable and that I would not have designed for myself going into it. And yet it has, you know, and I'm still, I'm not even on the other side of a lot of these changes, um, 
But a, a lot of my own journey from being an adolescent kind of mindset man to, to truly a, a mature adult man are, are happening because of this relationship with, with Sylvie. And, um, you know, one of the a piece of evidence for me, at least, is that I made more money this year than ever before. And I absolutely attribute that to, uh, to a lot of these shifts that have been happening because of my relationship with Sylvie. So, you know, and to, and to get here, I've had to be willing to not know how this wall is all supposed to go. Because when I know how it's supposed to go, I resist how it's actually going. And that never goes well. <laughs> so, all right. So those are my, my four lessons. Number one, again, you never know what's going to work. Number two, don't do it if you're not inspired to do it because life is a momentum game. Number three, be supportive and have your brothers back. And number four, be willing to not know how things are supposed to go. Okay, those are my four big lessons from doing this podcast. Now, let's turn to uh, 2020. Where do we go from here? Well, for this podcast first, I have some surprises planned. Uh, I need this to evolve. Uh, I got to keep myself interested. And, and uh, so over the break, I'm going to be meditating a lot on, on what I'm doing with this and, and where to go with it. But I already have some, uh, some new ideas and I'm really excited about it. So I, I know that, that it's important for me to keep doing this. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that. I am going to be taking a bit of a break, uh, a few weeks, maybe a month before I put out any more episodes, um, just to support, again, my my process. And I'm going into winter. Winter is a time of stillness and, and introspection and uh, uh, germinating of new seeds. So, yeah. And also, now let's talk about again 2020 and and the and this thing that I call a life theme mantra. You know, every year I started this in 2014, I come up with something called a life theme mantra. And I actually have a about a 14-minute video that I uh, recorded a number of years ago and I just decided rather than re-record it, it's got everything there. It's a little bit uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, I look much younger. Um, but it's a great video. And it's on my YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the show notes at brianreeves.com, Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash men this way podcast. But uh, go check out that video. Do that. Go through that process. I ask you some really great questions about how to create, how to come up with your own life theme mantra. It's only 14 minutes. And um, this year, you know, the year that I did that, uh, that was 2014. And my, my mantra of that year was go big or go homeless. That was a time in my life when I needed to stop being afraid of running out of money, of, of failing. And I needed to give myself permission to fail and to run out of money. So, you know, that became my year of go big or go homeless. And wow, what a year it was. That was a huge year. Uh, profoundly transformative. It really is when my own coaching business started to turn around and take off and and become successful. My blog started taking off, as I said, 2014, 2015, where kind of a golden kind of coming of age for my writing. And, and that was my year of go big or go homeless. This year, coming up in 2020, I realized, you know, I say yes to a lot of things I shouldn't be saying yes to. Uh, and as a result, there's not enough space in my schedule for my creativity. I feel exhausted a lot. I feel tired a lot. I, I, um, 
A lot of it's coming from angst, coming from the fear of missing out or the fear of not being successful, all these things. So anyway, I'm taking that on in 2020. And this year is going to be my, my year of hell yes. This is my year of hell yes. I started out, my, my initially I thought this would be my year of no. But I don't like that. That's kind of negative-centered. That didn't feel good. So I wanted to f- something that really feels good when I think about it. And this is my year of hell yes. If it ain't a hell yes, then it's a no. That's what 2020 is about for me. And I'm really excited and a little terrified, you know, because I'm going to have to say no to things that, that will be confronting to my some limiting beliefs, some survival beliefs that, uh, again, I'm, I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid of not being successful. I'm afraid of running out of money, all those things. Um, but what I do know out of experience is that when I say yes to my inner hell yes, to whatever that is, whether it's a, an opportunity to be on a pod, another podcast, whether it's a project to do, whether it's something to write, whether it's a client to say yes to, or whatever it is, uh, when I say yes only to my hell yeses, oh my goodness, life just takes on a, an, a a magical dimension for me. It just, I have the most amazing experience and, and so many good things happen. And of course, when I say yes to what feels heavy, well, life is heavy. So go watch that video on my YouTube channel. I just re-shared it. Um, and again, I'll put the link in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. Okay, great. Now I want to finish with a question from a new listener. Um, This is from Martin. And uh, Martin, if you hear this, I just want to say thank you again for reaching out. Here's what Martin asked. He said, Brian, I've been recommended your podcast two weeks ago, and I've been hooked since. I felt so connected to your way of expression, your message, and your understanding of masculinity. And I have a question. You mentioned in the last episode, titled Stop the Tragic Cycle, that it's a new phenomenon in this day and age that men can actually focus on thriving instead of just surviving. And I thought that's absolutely right. Now, from your perspective, what is the next step in the evolution of masculinity? As we move forward, embracing our feminine, connecting with the self, expanding our masculinity with partners and peers more and more, I truly wonder of the potential we have as human beings in the future and would love to hear your insight. Thank you so much for the incredible work you do. A fellow aspiring man and coach, Martin. Martin, great, great question. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate your acknowledgement and, and for asking a great question. And, you know, I think about this a lot because as I, as I look into the world and I see what a mess we collectively make, men and women, in our kind of our masculine orientation towards outcome, towards solving perceived problems with very little consideration for all of the problems we then create with the solutions we come up with. Um, I actually learned that that was mind blowing to me when I when I studied when I had my uh, I got my master's degree from the University of Oklahoma in human relations and organizational development, and I took a class on ethics in uh, human behavior, and I was it blew my mind when the teacher shared an example of how, for example, when we started to take on smoking and we started to, uh, you know, attempt to get people to stop smoking cigarettes, which seem on the surface like a good solution. 
like an important health uh, uh, um, uh, con- uh, what is what am I looking for? Um, an important step in the direction of good public health. And but then what about all of the of the tobacco farmers that now were uh, being whose whose livelihoods were at risk and who were going to experience themselves uh, stress in their health because they were having to change a whole way of living and ma- making income and that blew my mind and never thought about that how one problem just begets or one solution to a problem just creates a whole new set of problems to solve and i think that's really relevant when we when we think about the next step in the evolution in masculinity one of the models that I work with when I'm working with couples, when I'm coaching even individuals, one of the maps that I work with, I think about this often even in my own life, it's the three stages map. And I learned this originally from David Data. Now, I surely uh, interpret this differently than he did. So um, I have my own practice an understanding of these three stages, but I, I want to just acknowledge him for, for giving me this, this in the, the initial frame of reference for this. So the three stages, and if you look at the world, we're largely living, we're largely a stage one world. And what that means is we are completely codependent on the world around us for our, our inner well-being. We're constantly, and what that means for masculinity specifically Let's say masculinity is ultimately the search for freedom, right? That's how David Data would define it. Masculinity is the search for freedom. And in our stage one searching for freedom, we are constantly trying to arrange the world outside of us in ways that we will feel more free. So we're trying to make more money. We're trying to build walls or tear them down. We're trying to uh, solve you know, tech problems. Uh, we're trying to break the bonds of gravity. We're trying to figure out, again, how to you know, make more money in the marketplace, um, exploit the world's resources, whatever. We're constantly, you know, even how to make our partner not be angry. We're constantly attempting looking in the world around us and trying to arrange things in such a way as that we will ultimately feel more free and it's futile it is futile it's like and i don't know who originally said this but it's like it's like rearranging the furniture inside of our prison cell that's what we're essentially doing. We're constantly rearranging furniture in our prison cell, thinking that if I just put the couch over here, ah, then we'll be free of whatever problem we feel constrained by. And then the other, per- other people over there are going, no, 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 the couch doesn't go there. That's a stupid couch anyway. Let's get a new couch in here. That couch sucks. And, and if we get a new couch and put it over there, then we'll free- feel free. And it's futile. It's just futile because again, we get the new couch and we put it in a new spot. We're still in the damn prison cell. We're still caught up in the external pursuit of trying to solve whatever problem we think we're being confronted with. So in the stage two practice of of sort of freedom seeking, now this is where we start to look internally. We start to, you know, meditation. If you look, there's so many examples in our 
modern world of where this sort of stage two practice of, of masculine searching is beginning to emerge uh, in the mindfulness meditation movement in even in even in the even in the Me Too movement, interestingly enough, there is a a great you know there are certainly a lot of men and women who who even in the Me Too movement are staying rooted in stage one, uh, the futility of well I don't you know for example I, well I don't know how to treat women anymore so they should just they just shouldn't be in the workplace at all you know we, men and women should just work separate because I don't because I'm damned if I do damned if I don't that by the way is the the feeling of. <laughs> especially in relationship of stage one masculine being. I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Because no matter, which is true, because no matter what I do, I'm not going to feel the freedom I'm dying to feel. So, um, but in a stage two evolution, for example, we start to look internally. We start to introspect and inquire within. In other words, we're essentially looking for freedom within our own being, freedom. Okay, so for example, in the Me Too movement, how do I be with a woman in the workplace? How do I how do I be me and still be honoring of her, right? How do I be honoring of, of, of a woman's experience without losing myself? I mean, that's ultimately the kind of the question of stage two is, um, you know, how do I, yeah, how do I, how do I be me and be honoring of the other. That's really the ultimate kind of question of stage two, which is, by the way, is all about boundaries. You know, um, stage two is all kind of boundary work, learning healthy boundaries, how to not violate other people's boundaries, but also how to simultaneously stand for our own. We need boundaries too. And we need to learn how to honor others' boundaries. And that's always a dance. It's an art, not a science. So, um, you know, this is the next step, I believe, in the evolution of man in general. And, and in, this, in this evolutionary step, there is also the embracing of our own uh, kind of feminine way of being, our, our feminine, our emotions, our own feelings. You know, I saw the movie uh, 1917 just a few days ago. It's an incredible World War I epic tale. And you see in this movie as these two young men navigate uh, this battlefield and they're trying to get a message across the uh, across uh, enemy lines. You see them constantly as they're bef- as they're as tragedy befalls them time and again in these these extreme situations. Oh, excuse me, these extreme circumstances. You see these men and and the advice given to them from other men constantly is essentially don't feel anything. Don't feel that. You see their faces tighten around their grief around. Don't feel that. Don't feel that. Um, Get over it. Move past it. Don't dwell on it. And, um, you know, in the tightening down of that emotional, um, of those feelings that want to be felt, in the tightening down of that, essentially what we're doing is, again, it's a stage one practice of uh, remaining free of the feelings, free of the emotional experience, free of the grieving, free of the free of the of having to confront what just happened to your best friend who just died on the battlefield, staying free of the 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 potentially for a moment anyway debilitating agony 
that won't allow you to function in any other way other than to just stand, sit, be there on your knees, writhing in pain and crying it out because that's what's real in the moment, right? Stage one masculinity doesn't allow us to do that because there's a mission. There's freedom to be created, whatever it looks like. Um, in this stage two practice, now we're starting to really embrace the feeling experience. We're starting to acknowledge that that the body is real and it has needs. It has to feel what is it, it it doesn't have to, but but this is the evolutionary step. We start feeling what is there to be felt. And which by the way, if we're going to do intimacy well with another person, if we can't feel what is there to be felt, we will hurt people. We'll hurt our partner, not through, even with the best of intentions. But if we can't feel the impact of our behavior, choices, words, etc., if we can't feel it, or we, or we don't acknowledge, or we, or we dismiss the the feedback we get that it's that it hurts, but we're locked around our feeling because we because we're just again all mission oriented, um, and the mission in relationship is all is harmony and no problems and no upsets <sighs> again it's this is we're damned if we do damned if we don't so learning to feel what is there to be felt you know i um i, I took mushrooms with a, a good friend of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago and and on my mushroom journey i was reflecting i was looking out over my the view from my home and and i was just realizing, you know, I've, I've, I have everything that I've ever wanted. I have an amazing woman. I have a dog, a beautiful, friendly dog. I have a home that I just, I'm in love with. I love being in my home. I have work that I love uh, engaging in. Uh, I mean, it's just, I'm making really good money. It's all working. And I've, I've been so uncomfortable because I'm so identified with the longing that I don't know how to just be in the experience I'm having. I've been so identified with trying to get somewhere else um, that I, I haven't done my own grieving of, of, of so many things. I haven't, um, there's just so many feelings that I've looked past because I've been on a mission to create something different my entire life. And I realized when I was on mushrooms with my friends, mushrooms are very connecting for me. I really feel my body and I feel my life in ways that, that can often be challenging for me. Um, but I, I just it just occurred to me, it's like everything I've always done was to feel something. I, I just want to feel something. And it reminded me of this Joseph Campbell quote, something Joseph Campbell said that also that was, that was profoundly revealing for me. I read this years ago. He said, I don't believe people are looking for the meaning of life as much as they are looking for the experience of being alive. I always thought I was looking for the meaning of life, but I can't figure out what the hell is the meaning of life in the absolute. And I'm 45. I've been looking for it for 45 years, but I read that maybe 15 years ago and it's never left me. I don't believe people are looking for the meaning of life as much as they are looking for the experience of being alive. And I think just as, as 
you know, I've achieved everything that I really wanted to achieve. I have everything that I ever thought I really wanted to have. Of course, there's more and I'll keep creating and God willing, Sylvia and I will, will have a, a kid or two in, in the next few years. But um, I think a lot of our challenge in this next evolutionary step is to, is to stop trying to solve all the problems that we think are out there and start just really enjoying and really inhabiting the experience that we're having now, feeling what is there to be felt. Um, you know, this is the, this is the, this is the age of sort of the, the rise of the feminine. And she is all about connection and feeling and, and being, being grounded in the, in the present moment, um, without being so concerned about the outcome, you know, the mission, not that we throw out the mission. There's, this isn't about trading femininity or trading masculinity for femininity. This is about, this is a time of, of, of really just bringing her online, uh, in ways that she has been so suppressed for eons, for millennia. And I think, again, we see this in so many of the agitations around the world right now, um, this sort of rise of, of anger and angst and, 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 um, and, and the demand that we pay attention to other people's experiences and the demand to, to, to just feel. And I know that that's not really how all of this stuff is being framed in the world, but there are just so many examples, again, from the Me Too movement to uh, what's happening to, you know, waking up to all of the, um, gosh, what am I wanting to share? Um, my mind is my mind is short of examples at the moment, but uh, um uh, you know, to the, the the battle over gay LGBT rights, etc., gay marriage, all of that. Um, you know, this is we're, we're living in a great time where we're we're uh, we're being required to pay attention to each other in ways we never have before. And obviously, we're resisting the hell out of it. Um, but uh, I believe that this is the next evolutionary step. And and again, to do intimacy well, we have to attune to the other. We have to connect to each other to feel what is there to be felt. And again, as Joseph Campbell said, we're only looking for the experience of being alive anyway. And that's a feeling experience. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for making it a really great year. I'll be back in uh, about a month for the new season of Men This Way. Any links and resources like the Life Theme Mantra video, uh, I'll, I'll also put the four key takeaways from my podcasting this year and the links to those top three episodes. I'll put all that in the show notes at brianreeves.com. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash men this way podcast. Finally, if you would, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Your words genuinely make a difference as to whether someone will uh, listen to this. So please write a review so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.